I'm so thankful to the Lord for that, that I heard that message that night and it just really gripped my heart. Roxanne worked second shift, which meant getting home late every night. But one evening was different. Instead of her favorite rock station, she found Focus on the Family on the radio. I didn't find out until sometime later that I actually, you know, got saved or born again or, you know, gave my heart to the Lord that night. I just knew that I prayed the prayer at the end. So I just, you know, was probably by that time, almost 1230, it would take me about half of an hour to drive home and just driving in my car, crying and filled with peace and joy and, and just feeling the presence of the Lord. It was wonderful. I'm Jim Daly. Working together, we can save more families like Roxanne's every month. Become a friend to focus on the family and invest in this ministry. Call 800-A-FAMILY or donate at focusonthefamily.com family. One of the things I love about the Bible is how we can learn lessons from the various people in it. And I can just think through the Old Testament. I I think of Jeremiah, who struggled mightily. He had doubts. He had uh, insecurities. He was hated by a lot of people. I'm not saying I've been hated by people, but I identify with some of those emotions. And then uh, I I think of Joseph, the father of Jesus, asked to shepherd this boy who he really wasn't the biological father of, and to to watch uh, that story unfold. What a faithful man. Uh, we can learn so much from the people in the uh, scriptures, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. I'm John Fuller in the studio with Dr. Danny Huerta, who heads up our Focus Parenting team. And Danny, uh, is there a, a Bible character or two that you identify with or learn from? You have a few. Uh, just in thinking about that, Daniel, uh, just, mm. my name's Danny, right? Yes. <laughs> I didn't get to choose that. I love it, though. Yeah. Uh, courage and prayer, just being, uh. being a faithful in his prayer, in, in the courage that he showed in that time. And then Nehemiah, in his leadership and, and uh, really stepping aside from his fear, yeah. even though he had fear, he leaned into it. And then uh, David and his conversation with God and all his imperfections mm-hmm. and his failures continued in a conversation with God with a contrite heart. Yes. And I love that. Yeah, I was just reading uh, Psalm 139, by the way. And oh, there's really? so, much so much in there. So much. So much that uh, the psalmist just refers to God's heart and character and his trust in God. It's, it's really amazing writing. Yeah, and John, both of us would say Jesus' life, yes. his example, the way he taught, his response to questions in a culture that was opposed to him. What a wonderful gift we have in Scripture to read about his life. Yeah, there are so many um, imperfect people in Scripture, and we can learn something from all of them. Let's go ahead and listen now as Focus President Jim Daly and his wife Jean talk with Lisa Jo Baker about lessons she's learned from Jesus' disciple Thomas. Lisa Joe, let me ask you, you speak in the book about having this connection with Doubting Thomas. Yeah. Now, I think everybody at some point can say, oh, yeah, I get that. But explain why you feel a, a kindred spirit with Doubting Thomas. I feel defensive and protective of Thomas. I feel like it's the church who subsequently has labeled him Doubting Thomas. Right. The right. poor guy, you know. <laughs> like, Jesus called him his friend. He invites him. He's like, friend, come here and touch these parts of my body. He doesn't reprimand him. He doesn't rebuke him. He does speak a future blessing to those who believe without seeing, but that doesn't diminish the fact that he was 
completely comfortable showing Thomas, here I am. And so I have such a kinship with that, that there's no shame in the days where we doubt, that we struggle with faith. Those are not days where we have to hide that from the Lord. Instead, guess what? We get to tell him, I'm having some trouble believing today. And then guess what? Jesus is like, okay, friend, here you go. Look, see, touch, feel, experience. I'm here. I'm with you. You you share a story in that regard with your daughter, Zoe, who, as she's entering the teen years... um, Yeah, she struggled. Her faith struggle. I think a lot of parents, a lot of moms are going to lean in right now because, you know, their 11, 12, 13-year-old might be in that same spot where they're not sure about Jesus. Right. What did you say to her? So she was about six at the time, and I think she's my third, so I have a little experience. I'm not sure if I would have done it as well with my first. So that's of a course not. That's a caveat. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say um, – I I do think there's this pressure as Christian parents to sort of feel like we have to brainwash our children into believing, right? Like if they don't believe, that's so bad. Well, they feel that too. Right? They're smart. Yes, and there's this bad reflection on us. And um, but in our house, we 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 watch a lot of movies. We talk about stories. We try to understand what's being preached to you. So there are lots of conversations happening. We aren't sort of sit down at the table, have your family devotions, people. We're much more. Let's unpack this thing you saw today or the song you heard or something somebody said and how does the Bible story, how does the gospel intersect? And so we had a morning where we were getting ready for church. I was in the shower, you know, children have no sense of personal space. And my daughter was in the bathroom, like brushing her hair. And I got out the shower, I'm in my robe, doing makeup, and she starts talking to me about this is what she said. I'm worried, mom, that what I believe about Jesus I've just made up in my head. What if it's not true? And I I was busy, you know, I was kind of going about my day. So I I think I gave her kind of a throwaway answer at first. It was like, no, I'm sure we all have days like that. It's fine. And then I could tell she was really worried. Like she kind of grabbed my arm, looked at me and Mm. said, no, mom, what if this is just a story I'm making up in my head? And I thought, wow, now there's the million-dollar question. I don't know believers who don't at some point wonder about our faith. And so I put down the hairdryer. I remembered vividly, I sat down on the bathroom mat, she sat on my lap, and I looked at her and I said, "It's. I'm so glad you asked me that Mm. question. That's a really important question to ask because believing in Jesus isn't something I can do for you. You have to believe in him. He has to be real for you. And I said, so when it comes to Jesus, part of it is a friendship that you have with him, like Thomas had, right? You will become friends with Jesus, and more and more he and the Holy Spirit, they will show themselves to you. And she said, but what if they don't? What if it doesn't happen? What if they don't? And I said, well, I've had days like that too. I've had seasons of my life where I worry about that. And when I'm worried about that, what I do is I look around me to see where is there signs of Jesus? Where has he shown up? Have I seen things in my life that are like arrows pointing back to him as truth? Now, my kids know that I grew up with a pretty difficult father, and for years I did not want to have children. It's actually quite a big part of my story because I had grown up in an environment that had been pretty toxic, and I had just decided I don't want to have children. And God intervened in my story in a pretty dramatic way directly through people who spoke to me and said, people I did not know, God had told me, you don't want to have children, and then unpacked it with me. I mean, it's crazy. Oh, my. Zoe knows all of those stories. And I said to her, honey, 
On the days I struggle to believe, I look back at where I've seen Jesus, like there are footprints in my life. And she knows her grandfather was not a good parent, and he's an amazing man now. His story is radically different. And I tell her, you know, you know your opa, and you know how much you love being with him. But you also know some of the stories of how he used to be. The only way I can explain that change is if God is real. And I said to her, my job is not to convince you. I don't need to do that. But my job is to help you be a good detective, to pay attention to all of these clues that the Holy Spirit puts in your life and to trust. If you are willing to have eyes to see, Jesus promises us we will see him. Mm. And that was enough that day. We didn't resolve it. There wasn't a big like, and now I believe, like, let's pray the sinner's prayer at all. We had this conversation and she has continued to grow in her relationship with Jesus that has become more and more real. But for me, it was a sense of, of freedom to realize it isn't my job to save Zoe. That is the responsibility of Christ and the Holy Spirit. And as parents, it lifts a huge weight off us. And sure, I mean, I carry her. I want her to know Jesus. But at the end of the day, he loves her and he will woo her much more than I could ever force or demand her. Well, and so typically when you're forcing or demanding, you're actually working against the very mm-hmm. objective that you, you have for your child because, again, right. they sense that. Right. And they, pull, they withdraw mm-hmm. from that. Right. And it's not productive. Well, Danny, as we listened uh, to the conversation, Lisa Joe mentioned uh, that exchange with her daughter. How have you been able to encourage your kids to trust God, even if they hit uh, a period of doubt or difficulty? Yeah, what an important uh, clip there to look at this conversation between she and her daughter uh, about doubts and the necessity to enter into those intentionally, but also just with patience in not hitting the panic button mm-hmm. if there are doubts in our kids. And uh, one thing that I've told my, my son and my daughter, I'll ask the question, so what is it that you believe happens when you pray? Do you actually believe there's a God listening to you? Because I could completely understand if there are doubts there. And they, they have shared very openly about their doubts mm-hmm. in that along the way, especially as teenagers, as, as they've gotten older. I've said, hey, when you're doubting, let's do that out loud together. It doesn't mean there's something bad or wrong. You're trying to wrestle through your faith, and that is so healthy. You've got to figure out what you're going to believe because it's going to drive perception. It's going to drive your thoughts, your emotions, your behaviors. It's going to drive how you do your home. Uh, so much about your life is centered on this. So you need to get to where you this you would give your life for this belief. Mm-hmm. And so along the way, I have I've said there will be doubts. That's not uh, something that is uh, a surprise to me. But let's talk about them openly, and I'd love to wrestle through those with you, because if truly we're praying to somebody that's not even there, we're, we're a delusional family with hallucinations and all that, but if truly there's a God there that's listening to us, and I believe there is, then we're having a conversation with the maker of everything, the most powerful being ever, and you're getting to have that conversation at any point throughout mm-hmm. the day. Yeah. Do you believe that? And. Uh, those have been rich conversations. My daughter has been writing her own psalms and has been going through the psalms to enrich her uh, relationship with God. But even then, along the way, she'll go, well, Dad, so what about this and what about that? And why did this happen? What great conversations those are. Yeah. So enter into those. So don't be afraid if you hear, as Lisa Joe uh, described and Danny just described, if you hear your child saying, well, what if? 
And I'm not sure. Uh, Lean into those moments with an open heart and an open hand and trust that God knows your child and loves your child more than even you do. And he's got this. Well, Danny's team has uh, created a variety of resources to help you, and there's uh, a free article that we're going to link over to in our show notes. It's called Leading Your Child to Christ. It offers some different perspectives about how you can help your child connect with God uh, during difficult phases of life. And then to follow up on the conversation Jim and Lisa Jo Baker had, uh, get a copy of Lisa Jo's book, The Middle Matters. It's a terrific resource, a lot of great help in there, and a lot of really rich stories to relate to. We're making that book available for a donation of any amount to the ministry today. Uh, Contact us and make a monthly pledge if you can, or a one-time gift of any amount. Uh, That uh, lets us know that you're listening, that you care, and We'll say thanks for being a part of the support team by sending a copy of the book to you, The Middle Matters. Next time, we'll hear about uh, experiences of raising a child with special needs. For now, on behalf of Dr. Danny Huerta and our entire team, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast. As a parent, it's easy to find myself sitting backseat to my kids in the backseat. It's tough to be a step ahead. and full honesty, I'm pretty hard on myself when that happens. But I've found Practice Makes Parent, a podcast from Focus on the Family, hosted by Dr. Danny Huerta and Rebecca St. James. It helps me be more intentional and not feel alone when things get tough. Everything they share is practical and well-practiced, and I can use it right away. Listen to Practice Makes Parent wherever you get your podcasts.